The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. This show brought to you by Jersey Ninja. New items added weekly, superior quality products, excellent selection, competitive pricing, 100% satisfaction guaranteed. That's Jersey Ninja at jerseyninja.com. Your source for great quality hockey jerseys and performance wear products. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Join the revolution and save the galaxy. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Want to know more? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? left in the Geek Revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the Dashing Duo, Derek and myself, Mike. How you doing, Derek? Not bad. Uh, we got a snowstorm coming in tonight, so I'm a little concerned about that. But other than that, I'm good. A sad, sad weekend in football. Browns lost. But Bills won today, barely. So I'll take that. Second favorite team. But the, the Steelers almost got scalped, which is part of the title of the talent that we have tonight. Nicely, Eden. <laughs> and that voice is Kate Tell, and that laugh you hear is Chad Farron, and they are director and an actress in the film Scalpers. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for having us. Oh, it's our pleasure. Yeah. And Friday, when we were originally supposed to do the show, I thought I was going to scout myself, because I'm like, I cannot figure this out, and I'm not in the mindset to do it. We had the worst echo. It was my browser. Ah. <laughs> well, isn't that, isn't that right? I mean, I, I just switched browsers to uh, Safari, and it seems to be echo-free. Wow. What were you using before? Uh, Firefox. Ah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Which is normally great. Not for Skype. <laughs> not for Skype, I guess. <laughs> I, well, I haven't used Firefox in forever. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I remember that. Then I started using Chrome. I've been a Chrome fan ever since. No, I had another one of these, and uh, they had their own thing, and I kept trying to join it, and I missed the whole time because apparently yeah. you can only join it through Chrome. So I was like, well, wow. <laughs> maybe maybe they should have told me this. <laughs> I well, with Skype, I have never seen anything say that it has to be Chrome only or Safari only or you know what was meeting (laughs) so now we know so on max safari and chrome are are the ways to go yeah i guess so so we all learn something so um (laughs) tell us a little bit about the movie scalpers uh it's a a kind of a standalone sequel to a film uh, I did a couple of years ago called Nightcaller, starring Susan Prever, Robert Miano, Steve Railsback, and uh, a few other greats. And uh, it follows um, a telephone psychic who gets a phone call from a serial killer, and she basically predicts his murders before he commits them. Uh, 
And in that film, he was she killed him. And this is kind of the follow up where it might be a copycat or it might be him back from the grave. And he's called the scalper. And it's kind of follows that uh, that uh, terrifying uh, <laughs> fantasy horror and uh, giallo element elements. Okay. Um, how did you, or, or how much were you involved in casting Kate in the film? Uh, well, Kate and I had just done um, Pig Killer before Scalper with uh, Jake Busey, and you know a lot of the same cast and crew that shot Pig Killer came over and did uh, Scalper, and it uh, it was kind of written with uh, Kate in mind and Jake in mind, and of course you know Susan Prever, who was in the previous film, and Robert Miano, and all the people that. Uh, were in the previous film that lived came back into this one so their characters were kind of had them in mind when i was writing the script okay and having such a good time with kate and jake and whatever i'm like oh they would be perfect for these roles so kind of having them in mind when writing it is always kind of a nice nice thing when you uh you make a film because there's really no surprises it's like i know exactly how that character looks because you know she's already cast or you know how her voice sounds or whatever you know how, or just kind of her characteristics or how she, she might play it is the fresh part of seeing it so you know bringing that to the table was exciting but having them in mind is just kind of a nice a nice you know uh, comfort zone for making a film okay yeah that's a, I find that's part of the cool thing about uh, working with Chad on Scalper too, because um, you know I loved working on the pig killer for for Scalper. He you know he he before he writes these scripts, I feel like maybe you know I don't want to give your secret away, but I feel like you have this vision, long term vision in mind of sort of the people that are going to be in it possibly, and this um, like it's very. Uh, planned out like uh, uh, throughout I find which is which is cool and um, the 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 role of um, well uh, I won't I won't say say more than that now but <laughs> so 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 how did you <laughs> sorry so where did the uh, the idea for the scalper story come from um, it came up, you know, uh, Susan Prever basically called up and she said, hey, look, I'd like to do another film with you. We had such a good time on Nightcaller and she was also in, had a role in Pig Killer. And, you know, she's like, I want to do another one of these. Do you have any ideas for, you know, something, maybe a, a prequel to Nightcaller? And I'm like, nah, maybe a sequel to Nightcaller because I had, you know, the idea of who the killer might be for the sequel. So it kind of had the, in the back of my mind, something easier to uh, make the writing process process click once you know the end or who the killer is for me as a writer it's or the you know it's easier to just get the ball rolling so i said i could probably you know get a sequel together for you really quick and she said yeah no i'd love to do a sequel i just really have a connection to this character and i think it's interesting and you know let's try something like that so i started writing the script called up uh, the main actor who was going to be the uh, killer for the sequel and made sure he was available and once he was available then it, it, i just started writing him in mind and you know the script kind of came together pretty quick a couple weeks to write it i've always wondered about um about these types of movies and stuff do you come up with the idea for the story first or do you come up with uh, interesting kills first or does it vary? I, I i usually just come up with you know if i can come up with a good opening scene the rest of it kind of just writes itself unless you know kind of like with, with with pig killer it was a different thing because it was true crime so i had kind of all the certain things that he did in his life that were interesting uh and horror related you know aside from you know the the murder 
murdering people, of course, but, you know, the childhood and the certain things that were of interest that, you know, finding out about his life and then kind of piecing those elements together into a coherent narrative. And then uh, with Scalper, it's kind of just finding that opening scene and then just kind of letting it flow and see where it takes me, you know, and it also helps knowing what locations I have access to. If we've got, you know, a $50,000 budget or a $100,000 budget, then that kind of, you know, more talking, less action, you know, there's more of a thing to, and, you know, shooting it in, you know, nine days and, you know, with the same crew as, you know, like I said, pig killer and just kind of having that same kind of running gun mentality and, you know, getting it done for a nickel. Well, that opening scene is definitely uh, interesting. It definitely sets a, a certain tone for the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> So, and that's one of the things. That's one of the things that you know, uh, you know, no budget, and you know, the location. Originally, that location, that opening scene was written in an underground, um, uh, un- like a cro- an underground walk that you know they have a school. Then instead of crossing the street, they go to, through this underground tunnel and they right. cross up onto the other side, and it's just really creepy. And it's next to my house, and I'm like, oh, we're gonna shoot there. This is gonna be great. So wrote the whole script around that, and then get there to shoot it, and there's like a thousand kids there, and it's like, oh, fuck that. <laughs> oh, no. so we're like. I'm like, oh, I remember this park that's also close to my house, and it's got this great monument statue, weird, you know, thing. And I'm like, let's just go up there and shoot it. And we, you know, it turned out much better because it was, you know, especially with the bright daylight and the sun, and then this having this graphic opening was, it, it really was a better thing than the tunnel anyway. So it's kind of happenstance of you know what comes your way instead of pulling your hair out and going crazy. Just say, okay, let's let's do something else instead, and, and it ended up working better. So where where did you go for the location? for this it's a park that's you know overlooks um downtown los angeles and it's got it's angels um angels lookout or something like that but it's just got this really weird sculpture that someone donated and it's it was one of those things that always stuck in my mind when i'd been up there and seen it years ago that i'm like you know this this is interesting so in the back of my head i filed it and then when that first location fell through i'm like oh well this is close everyone's here let's just drive over there and and quick shoot the uh, the opening scene and luckily, no, you know, kids were in the park watching this, you know, anal rape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I guess that, that's pretty fortunate. <laughs> I, I will I will definitely say of all the independent film, horror films that we have seen over the years, uh, courtesy of October Coast and uh, who have had you got various uh, talent as, as guests that have introduced us um, into more of our love for independent films. I will say that yeah. ranks up there in the top three of most unique kills <laughs> and shocking kills that I never expected. Oh, that's great. That, yeah. that I absolutely that love. <laughs> Warms um, my, I, I hate to say it's not number one, but I, I'll, I'll put it, I think I'll put it at number two. Ooh, two, two's good. I like that. Is there, 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 there there's a number one that still just, <laughs> well, what is it? <laughs> it's from a, uh, a queer horror film called, uh, death drop gorgeous huh. and let's just say there's a glory hole and a meat grinder oh god okay yeah, I did one <laughs> it's like Ouch. seeing that it's like oh ooh, that, that's, a, that's a top kill for me <laughs> yeah that's pretty good 
So, Kate, tell us a little bit about your character in, in Scalpers. Yeah. Um, uh, so I play Detective Ida Lupino. And it's cool because with Chad, you know, sometimes you never know what you're going to get. And this was a cool little egg for me because I looked up um, a detective. I don't know why I looked it up, but I looked up her name. Anyway, it's, a, it's an actress. It was an actress. And she directed, uh, I believe she was the first female director of a film noir movie back in the you know 40s or 50s oh wow um, yeah cool. so that was really cool and i'd actually like right before we shot the movie i was in the um pretty the, the hospital with um the the motion picture uh, movie association hospital and there was i was passing in the hallway and ida lupino had her own little uh, you know, picture shrine there. So I got to see all these photos and I was like, whoa, maybe that's why I looked her up. So it's kind of the serendipitous, like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, th- that's the name of the character that I'm playing. And, and so I found that very cool. And I'm, you know, sure Chad ha- has his, his uh, unspoken reasons, but I found that very um, fun, a fun way to start, start the film. And um, yeah, I just sort of, you know, getting into the detective role because I was, I was a very different role in the pig killer. Um, and then being able to switch to detective working with Jake again in a totally different dynamic was really a lot of fun um, to explore that. No, and Ida Lupino is just, you know, I'm just a huge fan of her and an inspiration of, you know, you know, directed a film called The Hitchhiker. And uh, she directed one of the greatest uh, Twilight Zone episodes, The Masks. Oh, You know, she's just one, yeah. a great trailblazing, uh, not only female director, but also, you know, a producer. And she teamed with her husband and they made it, you know, a slew of great films and, you know, on a, on a nickel. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something to me that I can always, whether, you know, you love a film or, you know, find its flaws, you know, I always go back to, you know, whether it's Ed Wood or Al Adamson or any of these guys, you know, you got to look at their making these movies for nothing and like five days and you know so i look at the limitations with the story and with the act and then you find just little things that for me that make me just appreciate the film or the filmmaker even more and you know whether it's a you know worst film ever made or any of these things stigmas that might go around it i'm able to find certain things in it that i can relate to or that i can you know find inspiration from and you know just and and she's one of the things that you know making these great films especially you know in a um, as a, a role that wasn't really a, a female role at that time, it was very kind of rare to find a female director, and she would really knock them out of the park. These great little films, and you know, to me, that's just very inspiring. No matter what uh, you know, uh, whether you're a man, woman, or you know, hermaphrodite, I mean, it's all those things that you know you you can be inspired by any of those things, and and, and you know, take. Uh, uh, that is a kind of a power source to whenever things that you're doing as a filmmaker or as an actor or as a or as a construction worker or whatever it might be, you know. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Kind of the underdog thing, you know, is is something I really like. You know, it's it's, it's one of those things of uh, you just get great inspiration from. From it, especially when you're making them these things for no money or no audience or whatever it might be, and then you find out that someone out there is like, "Hey, I saw this movie when I was whatever, and it really inspired me to, you know, go into writing or go into broadcast or go into whatever it might be." And that right there is, you know, really just an exciting thing to when you find out little stories like that. Hmm. Yeah. Another thing cool. I, I, working with Chad, I, I love how he brings in these little um, things like that, and then sort of these nostalgic like I remember on the pig killer you had 
um, you know, some old magazines that you, you know, are just, just old, like on the set and you, you feel that energy of, um, bringing that life to it. I don't know how to explain it. Um, it's, it, but it brings such a life and energy to it. Um, and it, it, it speaks to the thoughtfulness around that too, I think, which is part of what I love about, about your work. Oh, thanks. No, I mean, that's, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, I'm kind of a pack rat. So all these things that I have, whether it's old magazines or old rotary phone or whatever, these things, I always put in as props in numerous films. Cause it's, it's something that re- reminds me to either my first film or films down the road or uh, my mother who owned the phone to begin with, or, you know, little things that, you know, Easter eggs just for myself that, that just bring me a more of a connection to uh, making these and just, you know, little things that you, you, you just gives you a warm spot, you know, yeah. uh, whether, you know, knowing the audience knows about it, but, you know, for me personally, it's just little bonus things that connect me to a different time or a different era or a different whatever that I, I relate to more than modern day. You know. I think it's felt. I mean, I, I feel it. And, you know, yeah. Good. It works. Yes, it does. <laughs> so you do that for all of your films? Yeah, no, every, every movie, you know, has, you know, numerous things that are either props that I have or, or things in my life that whether it's a, um, a wristwatch that Jake would be wearing that was owned by my father or, you know, certain things that, you know, is just just an old timey kind of, you know, connection that, you know, for me that, you know, with my parents being dead, they're, they're able to live on in a sense. The same thing when I'm dead and burned and buried and whatever, my films still go on and that's you know the greatest thing about making these things of you know whether whatever your budget is low or it's critically panned or it's you know doesn't get whatever it's out there in some form somewhere forever in a sense that you hope and that someday that someone will see it and they'll either you know become a fan of it or they'll i hated that thing but it sticks in their head and they're you know you've you've made a mark on them whether it's a positive one or a negative one and that's kind of a cool thing i love that it's awesome. It's a It's definitely not for the money. I mean, you make these things, you know, for cheap. The last movie I just did, I, I had to, you know, defer everything of my feet for all, you know, the writing, the directing, the editing. And you, in a sense, it, it's more fun that way because then you're really taking a gamble and, you know, just you're in the same spot as the investor in a way. And you're like, you know, we got to sell this thing so I can get paid or whatever it might be. And But at the same time, you have so much fun doing it that that becomes such a, you know, a, a far off foot print that you know it's not even about the money it's just about the love of of doing it and working with people that you enjoy and uh you know just keep doing it and doing it and doing it until you make one that you know is is the one that you know launches everyone in a sense and they all had they all put in a perfect uh it's one of those things when you make something you have such a good time doing it and you're like hey this this is a great film or and it's a great thing but then it's not the greatest thing or you know it, it has all these flaws for you as a for me as a filmmaker that it, it's one of those things that I'm able to kind of just separate it and move on to the next one where I know so many filmmakers that just get so latched on to whether it's one film or one script or whatever all their eggs are in one basket and they're so heartbroken at a bad review or they're you know they're like you know devastated for me it's just like whether Scalper is a great success or a failure I don't give a shit because I'm on to the next three movies are all lined up and ready to go so for me I pour my heart into Scalper at the time and then when that time is done, like now, I'll, I'll promote it and do all this stuff. But it's out. On, it's on. It's got its own life to live. And I really don't have anything to do about that. It'll either be well received or hated or whatever it is. But I'm done with it and moving on to the 
the next film. So it, well, it's for for me that energy that is burst into these things is, is just you know like a burning flame, and then it's out for me, and then I'm on to the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and that's kind of a double edged sword because you don't you know there's no uh, emotional connection anymore. You hope for the best, you know. You hope your kid is you know goes to college and becomes a scientist, but he could be you know a bum on the street. So I'm hoping scalper <laughs> scalper is a scientist in this sense but some but, of these you know, things I'm not, I'm not relying on it don't they take like some of them can take time like it can take years to build sort of a you know a, a following around a sort of niche film you know and some of them grow you know they grow better over like they they age well in this in this nostalgic kind of a way um, I don't know. I, I, I see it like that too. These sort you know, how does it, how do these things do over the course of like years or, you know? Well, I think it's better to have something, you know, that, uh, like pig killers doing well and, you know, it's received, you know, well in other countries and things. And that's kind of a nice thing. So you hope that for every film you do, but it's not necessarily the way, you know, like you said, sometimes it takes a while, but it's better to have the, that immediate, you know, reaction, of course. So what were some of your favorite Easter eggs that you threw in scalpers? Um, you know, like the the mask on the face, the uh, the nylon mask is a is a nod to Mario Bava's uh, Blood and Black Lace, which is again is one of my favorite films, and that also is in Pig Killer playing on the TV when she's tied up in the trailer and trying to you know turn off the volume and whatnot. So you know, little things like that. The, you know, the, um, the cowboy boots. My father used to always wear cowboy boots, so it was one of those things of certain things I grew up with or elements that, you know, I put in and those are some of them. Again, you know, the uh, um, uh, the rotary phone in Clementine's house was my mother's phone. I mean, little things like that that uh, I pepper in there. What about the cigarettes? Weren't the cigarettes, wasn't it the same pack? Uh, yeah, the was, same pack from uh, Pig Killer. Yes, and those are special, like, old school players and cigarette from Canada. Yeah, so that like a little thing like that, and Kate, you know, smoking them this time instead of Jake. So, I mean, it's those little things that, you know, are kind of tie-ins to pig killer in a sense of little things that very few people would, you know, pick up on. But, you know, <laughs> Kate or myself or Jake or anyone who sees these there and then they're like, oh, yeah, that, that was from that or whatever. That's kind of neat. It's nice. It gives, it also gives you a nice personal touch to everything, too. Yeah, you know, that's the thing, you know, you, you shoot these things fast and cheap, but at the same time, you know, you try to give it as much as you can, you know, in all aspects and, and you know, do the best that you possibly can. And, you know, and that's, that's really all you can do. And if it's, you know, little details like that, that add up throughout, then, you know, that's only helping it for, for you as you're like, hey, I, I spent an hour and a half looking for that damn pack of cigarettes, <laughs> digging where I kept those players' <laughs> cigarettes. And then you find them and you bring them and they're like, hey, they're there. I'm not coming that they're staying there because it took me two hours to find the damn things or whatever it might be that no one's going to know about but you know that it's like hey i worked you know forever trying to find those things and they're going to stay there damn it interesting stories or that you know in the in the opening when the radio dial is going and it's got the anisol um hemorrhoids commercial on the radio i mean that was one of the great scores of me finding that damn radio ad from you know 81 or whatever it was and i'm like oh that is that made the whole scene work for me that one little radio 
whole thing, you know, you know, the hemorrhoids commercial or whatever. And you know, the, the, it was just one of those gags that it's just like, this is great. And it's it, little thing, details like that, that, you know, you could spend, you know, a whole day shooting that scene and getting all this stuff and doing all this stuff. And it's like, uh, but finding that one little radio clip and putting that in there is like, yay, you know, it, it, it's, it's just the icing on the cake. It's funny you say that, you know, what was the better hemorrhoid treatment? <laughs> What's in the ad or, or just cutting them out? <laughs> the knife, yes. So, so yeah, okay, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to hemorrhoid talk. <laughs> yeah. for the next uh, horror movie there. <laughs> hey, we, we've already given Chad an idea of how to top a meat grinder. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's pretty tough to top. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, this was a continuation of a role that you had previously, yes? Um, I was not involved in Nightcaller, okay. which is sort of the, the prequel to Scalper. Um, and I, but I, I misheard what was said. Yeah, no, uh, but, um, but I did. We did just film the Pig Killer, which was right. It was the movie right before Scalper, and and you know, like Chad, Chad moves fast, so it's um, almost you know, felt like a continuation, just a total, totally different uh, movie. But yeah, for the record, Chad moves so fast; he's already completed two films that are in post production <laughs> during this interview. Yes, believe it. I mean, you got to move if the opportunity is there. If someone's like, "Hey, I got ten grand, or I got fifty grand, or whatever," and it's like, "Oh, okay, let's." So let's make a movie. So, you know, it takes me no time at all to write these scripts and, you know, get the same crew together. And then, you know, most of the same cast, because, you know, we have such a good time working together that it's really kind of ready to go. So, it, you know, I'm writing one right now that's another true crime film. And it's it's one of those things where you just you want to get the band back together and you have such a good time and it's kind of like a family reunion. So, it you know, you just keep it going. And if, if the money's there, it, it just makes it an easier thing. And that's where the speed comes in, because someone's like, like, hey, look, we've got this much money. And when do you want to do this? And I'm like, well, March is a good time. Let's uh, I'll, I'll write the script real quick and we'll go shoot it in March and uh, you know, have, fun, have fun. doing it. Then I don't you know, then it's not about worrying about the rejection of, you know, the other Lovecraft film i have in post or the other one that's playing festivals you don't you know if it doesn't get into festivals or distributors don't care it's like you're on to the next one and you're you're like look there's three other films floating around one of them is going to do well or and then the other one can ride off the back of that or whatever it might be and you just kind of keep busy and you know have fun doing it and it's just a great way of doing it instead of again like putting all your eggs in one basket and hoping like you know steven spielberg is going to see it and he's going to call me up and say hey we want you to do et part two you know I mean, I, I could care less about any of that stuff. I mean, I have fun doing these for no money and, you know, uh, just having a good time, again, doing the best you can and hoping it finds a niche. And knock on wood, you know, the distributor Breaking Glass has been fantastic on the last uh, three films now that they've picked up. So, you know, it, it's, it's kind of that Corman um, uh, connection where you, you've got the distributor, whether it's AIP for him or whatever is starting out, and you've got this business model and you're like, just crank them out and then you've got an outlet for them and they're getting out there. They're playing a little theatrical run. They, you know, people see them, people, you know, uh, you know, uh, it, it just kind of keeps the, the machine going. 
So is it, I only ask because I'm starting, I guess the last couple of years, I'm starting to see the trend a little bit. Is it common for directors to kind of use the same cast over and over? I don't at think least so. Lately, or? Um, I think, you know, for me, it was always kind of goes back to, the, you know, the John Ford films where he would use Ward Bond and, you know, uh, Harry Carey or these different, you know, John Wayne, of course. He would use this kind of stock company of players. And, um, you know, I'm trying to think, uh, Robert Altman, you know, did that a lot, you know, numerous different things of um, just people you like to work with and kind of, you know, keep using them and, you know, uh, you know, uh, same kind of crew. And, you know, they kind of just had, I think it was a bigger thing in the 70s, of course, when, you know, directors and uh, filmmakers were a little more prolific, I would say, in the, not necessarily the studio system, but, in you know, as in an independent sense. Where they would work. Yeah, Cassavetes would work with a lot of the same people. It's kind of that that same kind of um, thing. You find people that are talented and you stick with them. So, so it, in, for you, it's almost like you, you have that catalog of a talent pool and, and you're going to change up your, your combination depending on the need of the film. Yeah. And, but, you know, but you, and it's, but you know, you have go to's. Yeah, there's go there's to's. And, you know, you usually, you know, like to bring in a new person like Jake, for example, or, you know, uh, Eddie Furlong on this, uh, the latest one that we're in post on. You know, it's one of those things that you, uh, you're you surrounded by people you've worked with before and then you bring in one new guy or one new gal or whatever it might be and you kind of like, okay, if, if you're in a comfort zone already because of these people you work with, so there's no intimidation of, you know, working with someone that might be a name or whatever it is because, you know, you're kind of, um, you're with family and, you know, if the person stinks as an actor or as a person or whatever it might be, you kind of have, you know, uh, get the hell out of here kind of thing. And we've got a replacement ready to go or whatever to go or whatever. Luckily, you know, Jake or Cade or Eddie or all these people have been great, you know, working with the first time on these other films. And then you, you have such a good time with them. You use them again and again and again and again. And, you know, and then it kind of just it adds up, you know, that way. I mean, I um, Fred Durst was someone who originally I was talking to to be in Pig Killer. And he loved the script, wanted to do it and all this stuff. And it was like, wow, this is this could go really go somewhere. You know, there were ideas already spinning in my head of he could do the score. He could, you know, all these things is really collaborating. And then he's like, I, I want to talk to you first about some of the issues in it, though. You know, it's oh, a little no, extreme. And I would really, you know, with the Me Too movement, I'd like you to tone this down and that down and that down. And then, you know, I'm open to that to a degree. But then when it's this, 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 and, you know, all these different changes. And this is just, you know, on the script, right. you know, I, I knew it would be a nightmare when he gets on set and he doesn't want to show his dick or whatever it would be when the scene, you know, calls for him to be <laughs> raping this prostitute. And you're like, okay, uh, now it's the Fred Durst show. It's no longer, you know, a collaborative effort. It's everything that he wants to do. So, you know, I said, you know, fuck you very much. And uh, we walked, we parted ways and we cast Jake in it. But, you know, it was one of those things of you, you weigh the things and sometimes it's worth it if the person's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that or I'm going to put in this money or I'm going to find this for you or I'm going to do that for you. But you've got to change this, this, this and this and this. And then you kind of go, well, that's a good trade off. I'm getting this, this, this and this if I just change that, 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 that. And, and you work it around there. But sometimes it's like if you're just changing this because someone's afraid, you know, someone's going to complain or whatever it might be, then what are you making the movie for? You're in Nazi Germany and they're censoring you. You know, it's it's kind of, you know, one of the problems I come back that the distributors now telling me with Pig Killer 
as another example, is it was streaming on Amazon. It came out and it's streaming and everything's fine. And, you know, Amazon is a, is a revenue maker. There's money to be made there. It's one of the biggest things. And all of a sudden it's pulled off from Amazon streaming. And I call them up. I'm like, why, I'm like, why was this pulled off? And they're like, Amazon doesn't give you a reason why anything's pulled off. They just pull it off. Whether it be a little, whether it be a little old lady in Arkansas called up and said, I saw a PP on this, pull it off. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's fine for streaming with ads. I understand that if it's on Amazon prime or something for free and these people, but, but it's for sale. You know, people are paying five ninety nine or whatever it is to download it or to watch it. And because someone complained, they yanked it down from there. And the arbitration of trying to get it back up is just a complete nightmare where you either have to cut stuff out or you have to kowtow to this imaginary censorship because they won't tell you what scene in particular is bothersome. And then I go and I look and it's, you know, it's uh, it's up on Amazon uncut in Germany and fucking Germany. I mean, they censor the <laughs> hell out of everything beyond what a America used to be, but now Germany is more, you know, open and free when it comes to censorship in the U.S., and that's kind of a scary thing. Uh, I didn't know that. Huh? I think it's worse that they don't tell you why. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they won't tell you why. And they'll they'll normally, you know, like with Scalper, as an example, I had to they, their distributors like, look, you've got to cut this whole opening up. You know, they're not going to they're going to, you know, go crazy. They're not going to want to put this. And I'm like, I'm not putting the damn money into editing this re-editing it and then having it remixed and re-colored and all these things that would just be a nightmare. I'm like, why don't we just put black bars over this stuff that's offensive? It'll cost nothing and it'll appease whatever <laughs> censorship gods that you need to appease. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. So, you know, gave that to him and then that is what they will submit to Amazon. And Amazon will basically, you know, say yay or nay and probably yay because it doesn't have anything offensive because it's 90% black bars over everything. You know? <laughs> What is that? Unbelievable. You're going to try with Pig Killer? No, uh, well, they're going to try to, uh, it's a harder it's, thing. Once they've basically kicked you off, it is, it's near impossible to get back on. There's really oh, man, no, I wanted to watch Pig no Killer appeal. too. <laughs> if there's, you know, I guess if enough people went on and wrote to Amazon and said, hey, where's, where's Pig Killer? Maybe that would reverse it. But, you know, it, it, when it comes to a distributor, unless you're A24 or Warner Brothers, you know, you get kind of the short end of whatever it would be. I mean, they'll play, you know, if it's Eli Roth or someone in, through a distributor that they're, they're not going to mess with, you know, but they'll mess with smaller distributors and filmmakers because it's just like they can, you know, it's it's oh. if someone complains and someone's bothered enough that, you know, they're like, we don't want to lose that, you know, prime member and they're 90 bucks a month or whatever the idiotic crap they pay for this stuff so if someone like that is complaining about pig killer peepees they're gonna say it let's yank it you know so that's what they did uh, that right there gives me an idea of the name of this episode <laughs> oh boy scalper and hashtag where's pig killer with kate i like Jenna. that thank you i thought it was gonna be something with the peepee no that'll, that'll be in the show notes <laughs> oh, good. yeah yeah, I want to actually. I was just reading about Pig Killer. I want to see it now. <laughs> no, it's a good movie. It's it's one of those things that you know uh, we had a lot of fun making it. And again, first time working with Kate and uh, Jake, and they were just a joy. And it, it's it's one of those things where, you know. 
looking back at it, it was kind of a monumental task of making, you know, a 120 page screenplay in like 12 days and, you know, on, on this low budget on a true crime story. I mean, there were lots of things where you, if you were to step back and go, I don't know if that's doable, you know, but if you, if you stop back and you look at things and question it too much, then you'd probably never do it. It's better to just kind of grab the reins and and jump. Yeah. Made it happen. Just like, um, the, the, the pig who was in it, you know, or like, how are we going to get this pig? to go from where we need this, you know, to go up, up the steps or whatever. And it just, you know, seems like <laughs> magically happen. It's really cool. Really cool. So what other, <laughs> what other platforms is Hit Killers on? It's on um, all the other ones, basically. Uh, Voodoo and uh, oh, okay. Apple and uh, Google Play. I mean, Microsoft, whatever those things. I mean, I'm not a streaming guy. I, I'm still kind of the DVD VHS dude. So, but, uh, you know, there's a great market for it and you know streaming is great and it's just but it's one of those things where um again you want your films on every platform and if it finds an audience great or whatever but you want it to be out there and not you know censored in any way but you know and i understand the censoring for advertising when it's playing on tubi or whatever it is because it's got ads so they of course got to cut it i guess but for something on amazon where it's streaming and someone's paying you know the full ticket price you know, five ninety nine or whatever it is, they sure as hell don't want a cut version of the film. I mean, that's the whole point of this yeah. stuff. You were hoping that you've gone beyond, you know, pan and scan and, you know, the uh, censored versions of things. I mean, you know, I might as well be watching, you know, television in the 80s and, you know, and seeing, you know, uh, yeah, right. The Godfather on uh, fucking uh, NBC or something in 1984. Why would, why would they even take it if they would take it down? Well, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily know if, you know, whoever is accepting films for Amazon is watching every every film. They're just saying, oh, it's got this, it, you know, it just went viral on Facebook recently with over, you know, a million uh, hits. So it was a popular enough film. And the true crime thing is, you know, kind of one of those things. They're like, we're going to make money with this. It's not just kind of, you know, and, and, they, and if they're a platform, they should be taking every movie from every distributor that there is. You know, it's not up to them to say, well, we're going to take this one and this one and this one. But not that one, you know, because he's a right winger or whatever it might be, or, you know, he's a left winger, whatever it might be that that's just wrong. I mean, it's censorship, whether it's content or whether it's someone's political ideals, you know, a, a capitalist company has no right to be saying yay or nay to people. It, it, it's crazy to me. And then to have this attitude of, well, you can't question them. You can't call them up and get an answer from them. I'm like, well, who that is, you know, it's just some, you know, bald dude who owns, you know, a a book company and created this great empire. I understand that. But when did it become about, you know, him deciding or his cronies deciding what is, you know, content is allowable, you know, oh. and, and and where, you know, if, if, if the distributor or the filmmaker can't call up Amazon and say, hey, uh, why is this being pulled? How come it's easy for granny to say, hey, pull it down? You know, it should have the same kind of reasoning. If it's easy to pull something down, it should be easy to question why it was pulled down and get some, you know, good answers for it. Well, that's the kind of stuff that always worries me about the streaming services in general is, they can just take something off, not yeah. give you any reason for it, and 
you know, like, um, for example, on, on Disney Plus, the Willow series, I never got a chance to watch it because I wasn't I didn't watch it when it first came out. And now they took it off and I can never see it now. There was there were a couple other things that they, they did that, too. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's uh, why you got to get VHS DVD. <laughs> yeah, no, physical media is, the, is, the, is making a big comeback. It's great. Well, yeah. you, you were talking about Bezos and whatnot. It's like, where, where is he to judge or put people in place to judge when he charges how much? for people to ride excuse the language a space dildo into, into orbit <laughs> right <laughs> I mean come on no it's crazy I mean it's it's phenomenal you know and Amazon when, is one of the worst um, they're paying for these films you know whether when you're streaming their stuff on Prime or whatever it might be they pay, pay the filmmakers like half a cent for an hour. I mean, each time your film plays, you're getting like a penny. So, and then, so the distributor gets the penny from the one view and you get, you know, a fraction of the penny is your cut. I mean, it, it adds up if it's seen a lot, but it's, it's one of those things where it used to be, you know, Amazon was a, a great thing. They were paying the same kind of money that Tubi pays or any of the other streaming platforms and, and you made decent money. It was a thing, but it's, they're now just kind of one of those things. Well, this is what it is. Take it or leave it kind of thing. And they don't really advertise it so yeah some stuff people may not even know about on there and then they wonder why sag one of the big things they were fighting for was the royalties No, I mean, no, and they just they just gave in to their uh, AI uh, cartoon voices or whatever yeah, voiceover work. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. which uh, if it and it's not just voiceovers, they could then say Katie goes and does a SAC film. They like her voice and they want to use it for oh wow something else. If she mm-hmm. gives permission, they could then AI her voice. From that point on, she'll still get a royalty check for it. Sure, but sure. SAG will also get their cut from it too. So <laughs> that's uh, crazy. And, and that could be that could happen all of a sudden you know katie will receive a check for like i didn't do this <laughs> right. question and they're like oh yeah i signed that away <laughs> um then, but you know she'll get whatever the the rate was that they deemed right I'm sure right. sag's undercut that as well I, i'm a member of iotsi here in orlando uh <laughs> working for the park and you know we're working for for the theme park the one theme park company i work for i i've been there almost 26 years and i'm just now starting to get paid what i should have been paid a while ago <laughs> and 20 years ago well even 20 years ago but i should have been wow. paid but the company has the union by the cojones and they just like okay yeah cool and but we also have poor leadership here too so sure, sure. so i look back and go okay look at what sag did use that next time for negotiations and then they pull this down I'm like yeah don't look at what sag did <laughs> Um, I mean, that's again why I love the independent side of it. You know, you're like, you tell everyone on the film that this is what the budget is. This is how much you're getting paid. If you want to do it, let's do it. There's there's nothing more than that. If the film is successful, great. You know, if it's not, then no, no harm, no foul. We just take it as it comes and enjoy doing it. Not saying, boy, I, I'm going to get residuals one day to pay for my grandkids. You know, don't look at it that way. It's like, do what you can on this film and then the next one, the next one, the next one without this kind of hoping for a residual check to one day come and save your life because you know it, it's it, these things are all a gamble and you know the investor gambles i gamble the actor gambles and you hope a knock on wood that you have a good time doing that gamble and but to hope and pray that you know it's going to make you a fortune or it's going to you know pay your rent 10 years from now uh, you know it's something don't do that and i tell every investor i'm like you know it's a crapshoot i'm not going to guarantee your money back i'm going to guarantee that you know it'll be sold and it'll be released because you know being 
being in this game for as long as I have, I've had the the fortune of at least having um, getting good reviews and getting festival play and getting distributors and getting it out there and money trickles in. And, you know, I'll try my damnedest to make sure that the investor gets every penny back, but I can and I won't guarantee that, you know, 100% because you never know what's going to happen. You know, like I said, with the Amazon thing of pulling it down, you know, Joe Biden or whoever next month could say, okay, there's no more true crime movies. And they pull all whatever down for whatever reason and they bury everything in a vault. But so you never know what's going to happen. And you just got to kind of tell people that, you know, look, do it for the love of it. And, you know, don't, you know, hope and pray that it's going to be, you know, a life-saving event. And again, that goes back to, you know, why I try to keep doing as many as I can and just have fun doing it and doing it while you can, because, you know, you you never know what might happen. Now, being a writer and director, are you finding um, with independent films, the more successful films are the true crime and the horror? Yeah, definitely. And I I, I ask that because I know with podcasting, if Derek and I decide to change We Be Geeks into We Be True Crime... We could probably, if we did the right research and everything, we could probably be a much bigger hit than we are now. Right, right. just because uh, the, the true crime. There's niche, a lot of but true I, crimes out there. But I, a lot of I, true crime podcasts. I'm not a fan. Me personally, I'm not a fan of listening to true crime podcasts. Now I'll watch true crime shows. Killing sure, yeah. Fields yeah. was great watching it. You know, the, yeah, yeah. the two, three seasons of that. Um, you know, some of the other stuff I've seen, you know, great. I love true crime movies and, and horror films because, you know, I got the visuals to go with it. Sure. Podcast, I, I, I can't because a lot of times the, the hosts have no personality. <laughs> right. Well, I guess if you're having victims on or you're, you know, re- recording them from prison, the killers and things like that, that would be something that'd be pretty interesting. There's, yeah. There's one that's like, I, was to, I don't listen to true crime podcasts, but I got really into the George Codell. You heard of him? No. Name sounds oh, and there's a the house is in Los Angeles. He's they're saying he's involved with the Black Dahlia and all the, all this stuff. And oh wow! That, oh. That's an interesting podcast. It's two girls um, know all the facts. These crazy facts are super chilling. See, just, wow! See something yeah. like that I could go for because you know that ranks right up there with Jack Ripper, Kennedy assassination. Sure. You know some of the other stuff. Fake moon landing. <laughs> <laughs> it's real. Um, so is wrestling, man. So is wrestling. No. The moon, the moon. I'll, I'll, I'll stand by. It, it was real. Uh, I, I'm real big into the into the space race and having met yeah. a few astronauts and actually one who was on one of the later missions. Um, I have no reason to doubt that he was another. Now, whether the whether the media we saw was real or not, sure, sure, sure. That I could qu- that I'll question because I know with some other people who I've worked with. Okay, theme park. I work at Disney. Uh, I have known some people who were involved with some of the later moon missions who later came over to Disney as engineers in, in our engineering department because um, they retired from, from NASA and you know the stories of yes they had studios and lots of stuff that they recorded from training missions for at that time especially after the, the near loss of, of the crew of Apollo 13 yeah, yeah they they had things ready to go to switch over you never you would never see faces but you hear voices you would hear everything else just in case there was a, a catastrophic failure 
right, and, right. And the country couldn't handle it at that point. Wow. Just look at what happened when Apollo One blew up on the on the pad. Sure, sure. You know, it was hard. And then, you know, many years later, look what happened with you know with the Challenger. Right, you know, right. Was, you know, that was hard to deal with. And then, right near the end of the program, you know, Columbia on reentry. So, I mean, it's to, to have a contingency. I could see where at that time NASA probably did. Right. Uh, but so who who knows what we were seeing, you know, what people were seeing on screen or hearing. But I, I don't doubt at all that we, we arrived on that. So. <laughs> I just love the whole Kubrick uh, thing that he directed the whole, <laughs> faked the whole thing. And then <laughs> yeah. you know, the Illuminati and all, there are all these elements that when you read, get into a lot of these conspiracy theories, they're very entertaining. And, you know, some of the stuff, whether it's the JFK assassination and you can go, well, that's no longer conspiracy theory. <laughs> that's fact. And, and you kind of go into these certain things. And when you kind of add certain roads or rabbit holes or whatever you kind of go into on these certain different things and you kind of go, wow, that makes sense. And you can kind of see why a lot of people devote their whole lives to these different things because they're very interesting. And I think that goes along with the true crime aspect of it's just so interesting to know that whether, you know, these things did happen and you're trying to find the reason it happened. Why did he do that? You know, there's that mystery yeah. of, you know, how did a human do that to another human? You you try to everyone tries to wrap their mind around it. I was talking with uh, Susan Prever the other day on um, the next film we're doing, which is another true crime film. And she's like, I don't know how I can play this because I can't understand why someone would, you know, why would you kill these people? And I'm like, well, Susan, you got to kind of just put your head into hers, whether it's, you know, abusive father or abusive husband or whatever it is, and kind of just figure out that she kind of sees everyone she's killing as that person or whether it is. And, and you just kind of got to, you know, get your head in the same space that, you know, that you can relate in a sense to these people and kind of figure out, well, yeah, I could, I could kill that person ahead of me. You just cut me off or, you know, I could kill that person that eats meat because I'm a vegetarian or whatever it is. You're able to kind of justify it in your own mind as you're doing, you know, God's work or you're doing something that's an embitterment for mankind. If you kill these people. So, and anyone in the world could justify the things that they do. You know, the, the Nazis justified what they did, you know, and it's like, it's like, Hey, I'm just doing my job. I'm a soldier. I was told to go kill somebody. I'm going to do it. If I don't kill them, they'll kill me. So, you know, they're able to justify these things. And I think that's the same thing with true crime is it's just people kind of trying to, you know, wrap their head around how these things happen. And so there's kind of an endless um, interest and fascination in true crime and, and horror kind of along the same lines of just you kind of want an escapism in a sense. It's funny you yeah. brought up the yeah. conspiracy uh, JFK. <laughs> Um, Derek, you're going to remember this from 2020 when we had Jack O'Holler in on. I don't remember oh. much from 2020. <laughs> um, of course, Jack O'Holloran was um, in Dragnet. He was one of the Kryptonians, Kryptonian 3 yeah, yeah, yeah. from Superman. Yeah. Um, his father was in the mob. Uh, he was a prize fighter and whatnot. And he, he was telling us, going through how I think he's involved in a project. I don't remember if it's a book or a documentary or something, talking about the Kennedy assassination. And he has seen, he, he claims to have seen at this point in time, I'm going to believe him because he's got mob ties. So I'm going to believe this. You know, I, I like my life. Um, he's, he's claiming he's seen the missing footage where it shows the driver of the car turning back and shooting Kennedy. Wow. And that the, and that the bullet that hits McGovern's leg is the bullet from um, Oswald, or that came from the book depository, whether that was Oswald or not. Right, right, right. So it's like, okay, 
for me, that always explains why the head goes back sure. and to the left. Right. Because I've always had the belief if he got shot in the back of the head, why is there a smaller wound in the front of the neck instead of the back of the neck? And why is the head almost blown out in the back? Right. No, it made no sense. And it, it and, surprises me that so many people bought the, it back then. And, and why would the head kick back if the if the shot hit in the front? I have never seen anyone prove that that's the way that type of shot would happen. Sure, sure. So for him to then go, yeah, what you see, what what's missing is the driver turning back or someone in the front seat turning back and killing him. Wow. And that the whole thing was set up by his father, who was pissed over the fact that he was continuing on with the civil rights. <laughs> Since his, since his father had ties to the Ku Klux Klan. Wow. Okay. <laughs> this just adds a whole new spiel. So, but I think that's again that's what's so fascinating. There's these different roads with true crime or you know political you know whatever conspiracy theories in general. It's really just interesting, right. fascinating stuff. Aliens, all that kind of stuff. And I always wonder if you did find out all this stuff was real. It comes down. You see the face of God. You know every secret. You know the government killed uh, Martin Luther King. All these things. You know the knowledge and it's fact and it's whatever what happens then yeah. does the world just go crazy and everyone's just like oh my god there's aliens or they're you know they killed you know uh, uh john f kennedy and they killed martin luther king and they killed robbie kennedy whatever it is and you're like oh the government did all this what changes what ha- you know I, you know what what happens I, people I tweet on it learned, I, don't know. I think we learned from the pandemic that probably not a whole lot would change <laughs> that's what's terrifying probably a lot of people wouldn't believe it and <laughs> Right. Now, I think something we would believe, because it wouldn't be conspiracy, it would be coming straight from the source. Kate, how did you get into acting? And what made you decide to go into, into film? Great segue. That's you like that? Good question. Segue from JFK. To... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I actually, I have a background since I was three. I was a ballet dancer um, and I sort of, I grew up like it was, that was my life for <clears throat> up until I was in high school. And then I quit because it got too intense, the losing weight thing and all this, you know, pressure. Um, so that was really what I was my life for like a long time, um, huge influence, formative years, and then transitioning into acting. I mean, how I got to LA is, you know, a strange story. I didn't come to LA for acting. I was born in California, San Francisco, but, um, I didn't come here for acting, but it was one of those things that like, I like secretly wanted to do, but I was like embarrassed to say it. Cause I was like, Oh, everyone wants to be an actor. And you know what, you know, it's, it, I don't know. I was just like embarrassed to say it. So that I wanted to do it. So, um, I started taking some classes, um, and doing extra work was, was how I started. Um, yeah. And then I, you know, I've gotten more comfortable saying, saying that, that, that I act, you know, I mean, I'm relatively, I'm, I'm still relatively quite new in, in, in the field, but so I, I will say I, I applaud you because my daughter, who y'all saw before show walking past me um, tonight, she they had just gotten home from her tap class. And she uh-huh. does ballet tomorrow. Uh, nice. She's in ballet four now. Nice. Is it what what uh, 
school. Are you in California? No, I'm in Florida. Florida. Okay, never mind. But uh, her her instructor is Royal Academy of Dance certified. Oh, nice. So um, she may or may I don't think she's going for level four this year, but we'll move into level five next year and may go for the level five test next year. She was supposed to do level one, but the pandemic hit and (laughs) she she would pass level one and then she went two and three. Well, she went two and was did so well they went ahead and bumped her to three and now since there's only two of them in her LA three class the instructor said I've caught you up on everything I'm now going to start you into four I'm going to fast track y'all so next year y'all can be in five <laughs> that's great she goes two of you and I get an hour and a half a class with you guys once a week yeah I can fast track a year year and a half into a half a year wow that's the way to do it so you know, with yeah. two of them, you know, she could be, you know, the instructor could be more focused um, and work them. And, and these, and my daughter and the other student like to work hard. Um, you know, if they're not getting it, the instructor can see it better and works with them more. But, you know, they're going to make, yeah. That's awesome. She's, she's yeah. And of course, my daughter awesome. starts high school next year. So, <laughs> but my daughter yeah. still, the weight issue hasn't been, or I haven't seen that become an issue at the studio. Well, that's good. Hopefully, hopefully it, it, it won't. That was, that was a big thing with me. Um, and it can be very, I mean, I still, you know, I've been told I have body dysmorphia and all that. It, it sticks with you because you, you're in this relationship with the mirror when you're doing it right. so often. And there's this very, can get very messed up. You can get very messed up. Well, and you, I, you know, um, I know for Derek and I, we're, we're fighting weight issues, but we have good reason because we are extremely overweight. Sorry <laughs> to put that out there, but you know, I'm, you know, I'm just as much of a fat ass. But I believe the term is morbidly obese. Um, I'm going to say we're fat asses. <laughs> I'm pretty plump. <laughs> I'm trans slender. <laughs> Um, that, that's the that's the proper phrase there. We're trans slender. <laughs> Once I get skinny enough, I'm gonna be transparent. <laughs> um, but we're both on that, and, and we've kind of been supporting each other. Oh, I'm not gonna say kind of. We have been supporting each other uh, in our weight loss journey because we're doing it to get healthier. Not because people are shaming us. Right. And anyone who, and I'll tell you, for me, people at work, they don't get an opportunity to shame me because I'll joke with people all the time. If someone walk into the room, hey guys, how are you? I'll like, did you just call me fat? <laughs> and the panic that comes over their face, I didn't say anything. I'll look at someone, they just called me fat, didn't they? No, they called you old. I go that whole route. So well, you are old. I know I'm old. I'm fat too. No, no, you are old. All right. I was pushing it. <laughs> but as, it, as, it's, as I'm about to turn 50 next month. But I, I 50 is the new 25. Hmm. I turn, that to my knees. <laughs> I've already, one knee I've already had operated on twice. The other one once. Damn. Yeah, I, actually, I don't really feel that old for 50. So you may I, be right. I turned 54 in August. Wow. And I just had foot surgery and I'm like, you know, I could go back to work now. I just, I'm having least less issues with this foot than I did my other foot two years ago when I had surgery on that. I'm like, no, I, but I know I can't push myself the way I want to push myself because I feel completely different. The moment sure. I do, I'm going to screw up foot. Um, 
but the, but for me, I don't want the body shaming to get to me and at least anymore. And I try to use that as the example with my daughter. Like, you know, if you're aware, cool, use it as a tool in your favor, because if someone brings it up, I don't give people an opportunity to, to bring it up because I bring it up first a lot of times. Sure. When someone does or someone does come around later, no, you're a fat ass. Well, yeah, yeah, I am. But you know what? I'm doing something about it. What about you? <laughs> Are you working yeah. on your flaws? I mean, I think anyone that anyone that would say that, you know, to, to just that you have to question what what's what's missing in their life that they would, they would just exactly yeah. something like well, that. It's, it's, yeah, it's, for for me though, you know, being in entertainment, and I've been in entertainment for so long. Uh, I've been in the business thirty seven years this year. Wow. 38 years this year. So I'll, I'll be 40 years in the business on 26. So yeah, 38 years in the industry. To be in the business this long, and, and a lot of that, I hit 26 years with Disney next month. I know I know the subculture. It, it, it'd be like being on a movie set. This type of conversation of, did you just call me fat? When you're around people that, or that environment that you know you could get away with it, and you know where people are coming from, great. Now, if I'm in a break room with custodial or characters or other folks outside of technicians. If someone says something, yeah, I may take that personally because they don't know me. I don't know them. Whatnot. Now, if they chime in afterwards, after they've heard me and another person in entertainment ranting back and forth and they're jumping in because they want to be part of the conversation and be funny, then I judge it case by case. Like, okay, the person's trying to be funny. They don't understand. Let me throw back. They don't get it. It'll be, yeah, we need to stop this. <laughs> I'll steer the conversation away where that doesn't happen anymore because the person's not going to understand and they will either piss me off or the person I'm with off. Right. And we don't, I don't want that. So, um, so I guess as an old Older person who's been dealing with weight, Kate, I'm going to say you look gorgeous. Thank you. You you don't need to worry about anything. And if anyone says anything to you, send them our way and we'll take care of it for you. <laughs> we'll sit on <laughs> yeah yeah I'll, I'll sit on them i'll hurt they won't move <laughs> I appreciate that. yeah it's, i find it's more of a battle battle with my own mind it can be a battle with yeah. one's I, own mind yeah, more than yeah. more than the world sometimes but do, do we need to sit on you <laughs> the point that no it's not an issue get out of your head yeah yeah i mean you send me to you so <laughs> so no i I don't know. There, I don't know how to, without saying, get out of your head. Um, I, I'm going to be supportive. I think you look great. I, you, seeing you on screen, you looked great on screen. Um, I think you, you, your talent alone is going to take you places. Uh, and I, hopefully that's why Chad has brought you on. He's seen that same talent too. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's the great thing it, about the camera. The camera either likes you or it doesn't. And it definitely likes Kate. And it's, it you know, that's a great thing to, to have. Cause that's one, you know, there's talent and there's whatever, there's all those things. But if the camera doesn't like you, it's all really kind of meaningless, you know, but if the camera likes you, it's just, you've, you've already got kind of the, the, the essence of it ready to go. And, you know, having, the the acting ability is, is even you know the bonus and the icing on the cake and she mm -hmm. definitely has that you know? and it's 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 one of those things of you know working with 
lots of actresses that don't have it. <laughs> and, and, you know, you th- on the set, you're like, oh, God, she was great. And then you go back and you watch and you're like, eh, you know. <laughs> See, and, I, and, I'd be one of those. That, there's nothing against the actor or anything like that. It's just, it's just, it's one of those things that, you know, I don't know what that magic quality is. Some people, they got it and they don't got it. And, you know, it's one of those fortunate things to have it, you know, because when you see it, you, you, you just continue watching that yeah. actor you know well, it's, it's one of those great. And, and with you um no my daughter has not seen pig killer she she has looking at your imdb she hasn't seen anything you've done but you have a quality that she thinks she's recognized you <laughs> and it's the way you carry yourself that's great so um so yeah it, it's you know that's a that's a good thing i know for me i'd be one of those extras chad would go okay can you go back a little further a little further around the corner perfect great stay right there you're you're, you're still in the shot but around the corner i'm usually like I, I have such i have issues watching myself on on camera but for the pig killer actually i really had a great experience with the camera i have to say and i was very pleased with that because usually i just I, I can't you know it's hard for me to watch myself but the pig killer um it was actually i'm very pleased with like what wa- wa- like watching my my performance on the camera so I, there's something to i mean you know chad what you you know i'm sure it wouldn't have happened without you know what you brought to that and and the environment and all of that so i um but it was a special you're not alone there. Mm. There's a lot of A-listers who will shoot a film. They'll go to the, the opening. They walk into the theater. They sit down. Once the previews start, they're out the door. And then they sneak back in as the credits are rolling because they don't like watching themselves either. Sure, sure. And me personally. I've heard a lot of actors say that they don't mm-hmm. like watching themselves. And me personally, on a, on a podcast level, I rarely listen back to our shows because I don't like the sound of my voice. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I hate, I hate the sound of my voice, but when I listen back to our podcast, it feels like it's somebody else to me. So that's I, why I'm able to listen to good. myself. I'm like, oh, that's not me. I, <laughs> that's I, a funny guy that, that I don't know. I I have an issue with it for me. I used to. Yeah. And, and I've had, and with my original co-host that I had when we started 11 years ago, I always thought he had the better voice. I had a lot of people emailing us or that would be in conversations with and we're like no we like your voice much better than his i'm like really this is where i got hard on myself like, really i don't have a vo- me personally i don't have a voice for this well i'm still here doing it he's gone on uh, i've started up two other podcasts he joined in on one of the others and then left still doing well derek's with me on another uh, on one of the other podcasts and then i'm on one of his podcasts so derek and i do th- three shows together that's great um so, but still, none of them are true crime. <laughs> well, and if people don't like their voice or their weight, you know, smoke a lot of cigarettes, drink a lot of whiskey, and you know, you'll you'll, you'll get a nice heart. Get <laughs> <laughs> a nice radio. Actually, this is my very radio. white voice. This is my radio voice. Here's my. This is my true voice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, just kidding. It's um, great. <laughs> or am I? Um, but no, I I will not hold it against you that you you're not big on seeing yourself on screen. I totally understand that, and, and just know you're not alone on that. Because there's a lot of a lot of actors, even the ones making more money than they should be. <laughs> 
um, who say the same thing that they can't wash themselves on screen. Mm-hmm. So you're you're, yeah. you're not alone there. But that's okay because we'll watch you on screen. Of course we will, <laughs> and we did. Right now, we're trying to go find Pig Killer. Well, it's a test. I mean, it's a testament to the Pig Killer to the, that I can stomach watching my not only stomach it, but it, you know, I I enjoy like for some reason, and I, that's not usually the case at all. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it could be yeah. could be the director you had too, making you real comfortable as well. <laughs> that doesn't hurt. <laughs> have something to do with it yeah i'm so, definitely gonna go find me pig killer i want to see it yes i do too i know <laughs> i can't believe it's censored now or, or taken down that's no oh, that's on amazon. amazon that's amazon screw it yeah, sure, it's, it's still out in other places yeah, screw 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 bezos and his space toy space sex toy <laughs> his space penis <laughs> <laughs> so um where can people find you guys online uh, just, you know, type in my name for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all that junk, and, uh, you know, you'll find me, find me. Hey. Yeah, same. Okay. I, I, I'm not a huge, so I'm trying to use it, utilize it more. Oh, I know that feeling, we, too. We, we've, been on, so we've been on social media a while, and we're still trying to figure out how to use it more, oh, so we're right there so, with you. We understand. so bad at it. <laughs> I mean, Chad, here's a fun fact, though. Chad, hope you don't mind me saying, he doesn't have a cell phone. He's what? got it. Love this when I heard this, I was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" It's like you know, it's it's it's, it's a landline. Wow! Great. You also have a rotary phone. Oh, you yes, do, of course. <laughs> right. I mentioned it earlier. In a reel-to-reel answering machine, it's great. <laughs> is, it, is it two-inch reel or quarter-inch? <laughs> quarter-inch, of course. It takes up the whole fucking wall. <laughs> Speaking of rotary phones, my grandmother had a rotary phone. And I just always remember when we went to her house, there was one time I asked my dad, it's like, Dad, how come grandma doesn't have a real phone number on her rotary phone? He goes, because this phone is so old. That's what the phone numbers used to be. It was like <laughs> something, some word and some numbers. KL322? No, it was like uh, Northern 25. Yeah, you know, something sure, like sure. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm like, okay, but to make phone calls on it, that rotary was so tight. You almost had to take a jumbo pencil put in there, and you hope right. by the time you got to the last <laughs> number, the pencil didn't break in half <laughs> because it was that hard. And if you didn't lift your finger up fast enough, you wanted to make sure you still had a finger that wasn't broken. <laughs> I mean, it was one of those, and it was hardwired. It wasn't, oh, here, take the two connections and clip in, clip in. It was hardwired into the wall. Right. So I'm like, so when she passed away, I'm like, Dad, I want that phone. He goes, it's staying with the house, unfortunately. I'm like, we have no way of taking it. I'm like, yeah, we do. It's called cut the wire. Right. <laughs> I want the phone. <laughs> Did not get the phone. I wish I kept it. Though. I, I, I should have, when we were up there for the funeral, I should have cut the wire. When we left, oh, you should have it. totally. I should have looked at that no. my dad and said, "Taking it, clip, hi." <laughs> so no, I think that's those it's those little things that you know you've you've got a connection to in your childhood or whatever it is that you almost you know you, you'd give your right tooth for just to have those kind of things. Yeah. And when they're gone, even though you know they're useless to so many people, to you or whatever, they've got such a value that it's it's there's really no no amount of money can get that mm-hmm. feeling or that smell or whatever it is to and things from your childhood. It's 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 kind of a neat thing so yeah. I, I have just followed chad on instagram i'm now going to kate and, and chad i'm gonna say promote your website as well because i think it's a cool name you're 
<laughs> yeah, there's crappyworldfilms.com, and you can go there and <laughs> find my email and send me harassing uh, messages. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the, you know, the great things, you know, that I still, uh, you talk about landlines and things of, you know, I made a film called Easter Bunny Kill Kill years and years ago. And Warner Brothers had picked it up on their VOD thing, and it was really kind of a big deal. It was like I even had to go out and get the, you know, the closed captioning. And, and at the time, that was kind of a big, expensive process because it was going to be on Warner Brothers, you know, um, uh, pay per view. And the minute it goes up there, you know, <laughs> because of my website and all those things, distinct names or whatever, people got my, you know, phone number at the time at my office and they would call and, you know, the rotary phone and have the answering machine and they would leave death threats because, you know, how sacrilegious of you to disgrace, you know, Jesus's resurrection and make this Easter movie. It was one of those things that I like, you know, that's pretty cool that someone is so, you know, put off by a film in Arkansas or wherever that they're going to call long distance and leave, you know, a death threat on a you wow. know, California landline. Have you wow. ever, have you ever thought about making a movie and you utilizing the actual messages from the answer machine. <laughs> I like that idea. But again, it goes back to that That's finding 5%. things that you have buried, you know, that old answering machine buried, you know, wherever it is, it would take me a month to find wherever it is and to get these messages and to replay them. Okay. I got to wow. ask which Instagram is you? Cause I've got Kate Patel underscore Kate Patel, Kate underscore Patel underscore L Y. Mm, let me have to figure this out too. Kate W Patel. Yes. Kate W D Patel. Those are my middle initials. So. Apparently there is someone. We have one Spencer Garrett. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I apologize Spencer for not remembering. Are you guys both in Florida? No, I'm in Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Uh-huh. So he's getting snow. I'm not. I lived in South Hadley for three years. No kidding. Yeah. Huh. Nice. Uh, I'm a little ways from that. I'm in a little town called Gardner. Okay. It's right near the New Hampshire border. Okay. That's a crazy area. Like Chad just thinking for like horror movies, like ghost town to the max, but they have these set, like these cool old buildings. They're really cool old buildings, but it's such a ghost town. It's just so eerie. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's a, it's very dangerous too. But like, cool, it's got this really like this beauty about it that's just so eerie and like. So mix be a good place to shoot some films. Mix yeah. that with the answering machine messages. <laughs> we got something there. And then if you want to throw a true crime podcaster in there, I know someone <laughs> up in that area who could play the role of the podcaster. <laughs> the wheels are spinning. All right, help you out here, Derek. Um, if he comes to Florida and needs a podcaster, I roll. I know someone there too. <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining us. This was a blast, and definitely future projects. Please reach out and love to have you guys back. Oh, that'd be great! Thanks for having us. It was a real yeah. Pleasure. yeah it was fun. Thank you. It was our pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And on that note. <laughs> So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production.